Kia ora, I'm Damien Venuto, it's April 21st and this is The Front Page, a daily podcast presented by the New Zealand Herald. The latest inflation data surprised economists around the country. The figure came in well below expectations, suggesting the rising cost of living had peaked. This comes amid continued rate rises from the Reserve Bank, which has been among the most aggressive in the world. So have these rate rises gone too far? Are we unnecessarily engineering a deep recession? And where could the inflation data head next? Today, NZ Herald business editor-at-large Liam Dan is on the front page to break down the implications of the numbers that shocked so many. Liam, how surprising is this drop in inflation given economists were expecting much worse? Yeah, look, surprising is relative these days. It's all been, you know, it's been very hard for anyone to forecast things. But look, this is a surprise in the right direction. To put it bluntly, every economist in the country got it wrong. The most optimistic pick that I saw was a 6.9% from Westpac, and we've come in at 67 and there were forecasts up to about 7.2. So I suppose, you know, it's still quite high inflation. There's no doubt about that, but it's better than anyone expected. Given that inflation is still high, how much of a difference does this drop make? It probably means that it's playing through a bit faster than we had thought. There were fears that the cyclone was going to push up prices and make inflation worse in this quarter. It did put pressure on food prices, but that was offset by um, some big falls in imported inflation. We saw oil prices come off big time. It might be a sign that we can get through this rebalancing a bit quicker than we thought previously. I mean, I would say the economists at this stage are still picking that Adrian Orr will need to do one more rate hike. Liam, just looking at the economic data that came out this week, why did our economists get it so wrong? The one factor you can probably put a finger on is that we were more gloomy than we needed to be about the impact of the cyclone. So it did push uh, fresh fruit and veg prices up quite a bit. It was you know, probably expected. but So there was an expected bump, but not as bad. And construction and building costs and so on have continued to come off. And they, while there may be some inflationary impacts from the cyclone, it looks like they're spread out across a longer time frame. So in a way, it's pulled us back to kind of the inflation expectations that we might have had late last year. Adrian Orr, Reserve Bank Governor, has been one of the most hawkish Reserve Bank Governors in the world. Does this move suggest the last official cash rate increase was right or wrong? Well, this is a big point of contention and something that everyone in the economics world seems to have a different opinion on. I'm inclined to think, and I guess in terms of the major economist Jared Kerr at Kiwi Bank is along these lines, that maybe we've done enough and that it's time to pause and that maybe didn't need the double hike last time. But most of the economists, to be fair, are still sticking to the belief that we need one more rate hike, a 25 basis point hike, to take the OCR to 5.5%. So even with this good, better than expected number, they still think we need to just put a cap on it, really bring it home to the economy. My fear is that we overdo it, that we're talking about people's jobs, higher unemployment. If inflation is tracking down, then let's chill out a bit and let it wash through. How much risk is there that we do overdo it right now? Well, it depends, you know, it depends how you measure overdo it, but probably it is in in terms of unemployment and businesses going over, collapsing, that sort of thing. And when I talk to, there's very much two speeds to this economy. When I talk to small businesses, people in the retailing space, they feel like they're in recession already. 
And so, you know, they really feel like it's already extremely tough. What's Adrian Orr doing? They feel quite angry about the double rate hike. But we looked at some of the spending figures, card data, last week, and that showed that Kiwis are still out there enjoying life. Travel and hospitality still booming. That's still a lot of money washing through the economy. It starts to become quite subjective there about where the pain is, how much pain and how much is needed over what time frame. Why is all so determined to be seen as tough in tackling this problem? Is this just a case of him overreacting to the criticism that he faced during COVID? I think he believes in the power of monetary policy and he believes in using it to its full ability. He's kind of like, you know, in sporting terms, he is the kind of attacking rugby that people talk about. He was quite aggressive with monetary policy in terms of stimulus and putting money into the economy to get through the um, COVID crisis. And now he's quite aggressive in the other direction and sucking it out. And, you know, look, I understand the philosophy. It's like you've got the tool. This is your tool. You use it. I think there is a risk that it's just becomes a bit much of a shock for the economy and for people. But I think he was always, he's always been a strong believer in monetary policy, so it was a mistake. Some people thought, you know, for the start of the COVID, that he was quite dovish and stimulatory, was a sign that he was sort of a, some kind of new age thinker on, um, on monetary policy. No, I think he's quite traditional on monetary policy, and he's using it really hard. You are deliberately engineering a recession. I think that is correct. I mean, we are deliberately trying to slow aggregate spending in the economy. The quicker inflation expectations come down, the less work we need to do and the less likely it is that we have a prolonged period of low or negative growth. Liam, last time you were on the front page, you said that one of the issues that we have is that we use quarterly inflation data rather than monthly reporting. Why is that? And do you think that if we did have that monthly reporting like Australia does, that we would have better forecasts? Yeah, well, it was quite uh, big headlines when Australia's Reserve Bank paused on the cash rate. And they did that because they'd seen inflation come down. So they were at 7.8% at the end of December. But then they got to see a monthly number for January and February, and it dipped down to 6.8% by February. So that suggested that it was coming off, and they could factor that in and say, OK, let's pause. In New Zealand, we had our 7.2 at the end of December. Didn't get another look until now. We have this three-month delay. I'm not saying for sure that it would have changed the Reserve Bank's approach. They've obviously got the bit between their teeth on that, but it just would offer more insight. And, you know, you think about the first month of the year is a different sort of economy, the way things are moving so fast from the one we're in now. And so the more sort of up-to-date data you can get, the more reactive you can be. I'm not quite sure why we don't do it that way in New Zealand. They have it in the US. They also have monthly. I'm sure we could resource up to do it. But unfortunately, of course, if we decide to have a go now, it will take a lot of work to get it in place and we'd probably be battling deflation two years from now by the time we have it in place. But I, I think it would be worth considering. I think then the thing that's worrying here is that our Reserve Bank is more aggressive than both Australia and the United States, and we are responding with an inferior form of data. So is that worrying when you have a Reserve Bank governor that is as aggressive as or using data that is perhaps not as accurate as what it could be? Yeah, I mean, we talk about monetary policy being a blunt tool. We're swinging that blunt tool in a less illuminated environment. Maybe I could use a cricketing analogy. It's like trying to hit the ball for six. You know, you've only got a choice between not playing a shot or going for a six. And uh, we're playing it in worse 
light than the Australians. If you're finding this episode of The Front Page interesting and informative, be sure to follow us on iHeartRadio or whichever podcast app you're using right now. Every listen helps us keep you up to date with the stories that matter. So our inflation figure at the moment is better than Australia's. Again, it's the quarterly figure rather than the monthly figure. But why is that? And what can we read into the fact that Australia has taken a more conservative approach when it comes to lifting rates? Yeah, that's their number to February. So they could still come in lower when we actually compare like for like with the March quarter. But more or less, you know, actually 6.8, 6.7, we're in the same ballpark. And you've got to wonder why we are so concerned about inflation compared to the Australians who seem to be more relaxed about it. There were things said about immigration rates and how we opened our borders more slowly. Well, actually, that's been blown out of the water by the latest immigration data, which shows that we're running at basically uh, very near record levels for people coming in on work visas. So we've reversed that very quickly. Yeah, I I sometimes wonder how much of it is a cultural thing. We are a very hawkish little country. We argue, of course, that we are smaller and more vulnerable to um, international ratings agencies. There are some concerns about our current account deficit, which is the amount we are spending versus the amount we earn as a nation, looking a little bit high, getting up to 8.9%. We don't want to see ratings agencies downgrade us, that's for sure. So I guess we've always got an eye on global financial markets. You could make the case that it's a cultural anxiety that we have had in this country since the 1980s. We're speaking about this issue only a few hours after the news about inflation hit the headlines, but at this stage, how have the markets responded to the latest inflation data? The dollars come off, which usually suggests that they see our interest rate track going lower because when our interest rates are hitting higher, people pour money in to get the higher rate. So the dollars come off the wholesale swaps market, the markets that price our debt, haven't moved too much yet, but I'm going to be very interested to watch. At the moment, as I say, the economists are sticking to their guns that they think we'll still need to see that one further rate hike from the Reserve Bank. But if markets really push back against that view over the coming days, we might see that change. How do you think politicians will respond to this data? Well, I think Grant Robertson will be smiling. In fact, he's put out a fairly upbeat press release. His press release was careful to make the point that it's still, you know, the cost of living is still a big problem and that they're still working on it. We're going to see a cost of living focused budget and and those things. But from the government's point of view, it puts them back in the game with regards to the being a light at the end of the tunnel for the economic cycle prior to the elections. Whereas even just a few days ago, there was, you know, we were getting very gloomy and it looked like we could be stuck at high inflation levels and if inflation's really tracking down and there are some signs that the interest rates could be cut in the near future, then it's a very different game for the election than what it might have been. The data does show that food is one of the biggest drivers for inflation. Well, it's of course a lot more expensive now to put the good fresh fruit and vegetables on the table, so eating the healthy meal and providing for family has become even more difficult. When you view that in the context of the Reserve Bank's comments that Kiwis should be spending less money, is the suggestion here that they should be eating less? Uh, no, I think I think food, it, it kind of just is what it is. It definitely the fresh fruit and veg went up due to the weather, but some other food costs will start to come down. Commodity prices are coming off still, so that's bad news in terms of 
dairy export prices, but overall some of those primary costs for things like dairy and wheat and, and so on should be coming off. I think all you can do with something like inflation, whether you're the policymakers or individuals trying to do your bit, is look at where you do have some control, and that's probably around discretionary spending. The Reserve Bank would like to see us save more and party a bit less, basically. Isn't that putting the onus on people who have been locked in their houses for two years and isn't that expectation a bit hopeful? It is, but there's always a tension, I guess, between individual action and, and, and you know, macroeconomic overview, isn't there? I mean, you know, I always laugh when I see people saying they're stuck in traffic. It's like, hang on, you, you are the traffic. I mean, we are all individually contributing to this. I mean, economics is ultimately the aggregate of individual actions. You can make your own moral choice. You might decide that you've got no impact. You're not going to have an impact and you don't care. Or it may also depend on how certain you are about your income over the next few months and how much you feel you need to be saving to get through what is probably going to be a tougher period. That always strikes me as a little odd anyway, because if you lose your job, it's completely traumatic and you've really got to focus on finding something else because it's very hard to save your way to mitigate against being unemployed. Liam, there were some stark headlines from economists this week about the prospect of the upcoming recession. So how bad do you think the next year could be for New Zealanders? I would still like to think, and I feel more optimistic after today, that it won't see us into sort of historically bad recessionary territory. I I did see there was a couple of reports from Infometrics and ASB that were really putting the foot down on, on expectations that it's worse that, that relies on un- unemployment going higher than historically normal levels. I mean, I've written before about even just going to five point something percent is still tens of thousands of people losing their jobs. It's still a really rough adjustment, but it's just a couple of things. I think that the immigration rate is really going to kick in. It's really come back. It's, it's a massive turnaround from where we were even six months ago. I think if inflation continues to correct, then we might see the light at the end of the tunnel on interest rates and we can sort of get through this without crushing the confidence in the economy. So that that's the trick. I mean, if, if you completely crush economic confidence, then people stop doing things in a way that it takes a long time to get the economy going again. You need to sort of get people to slow down, but keep making plans for the years ahead and keep holding on to staff because they see better times coming next year. I'm hopeful that we can do that. As I say, my personal view is that it would be um, reasonable to pause on interest rates now, wait and see. People are coming off fixed rates and the pain is still going to be there for several months yet. I guess I'm more optimistic today. I'd got pretty gloomy as well. I think we've, we may have been talking ourselves into the gloom a little bit. Thanks for joining us, Liam. That's it for this episode of The Front Page. You can read more about today's stories and extensive news coverage at nzherald.co.nz. The front page is produced by Sean D. Wilson with executive producer Ethan Sills. I'm Damien Venuto. You can follow The Front Page on iHeartRadio or wherever you get your podcasts. And tune in on Monday for another look behind the headlines.